Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. I am so happy that you are here joining me with my fourth season. We are at 65 episodes, I believe, maybe 66. I guess I should have looked that up. But um, we are coming up on 100,000 downloads and we are topping the charts on the home and garden charts all over the world. And that is because of you guys. And I just want to thank you so much for that. As I start season four, I want to talk about getting back to our roots a little. This year has been a whirlwind of podcasts, book launches, conferences, and building up our homestead. I have loved every minute of it, but we are starting to settle into fall again, and I am looking forward to a slower pace. I have spent much of this year also researching for my book, Homestead History. This is a U.S. history course with a focus on food and ag sociology. What this has done is made me see how much we have messed up as a society when it comes to our food and skills. Every time I walked into a history class from grade school all the way through my bachelor's, we were told that if we didn't learn history, we were destined to repeat it. Then why is it that we were never taught about soil ecology and the famines that brought it on? Why have we not learned about the nutritional issues our country faced in times of war? These are the pivotal moments in our history that we need to stop repeating. Food is humanity's largest driving force, yet no one even is taught where it comes from anymore. Between this and my passion for building local food systems through community, I decided to have a homestead conference here in North Idaho, September 16th, 2023. I know some of you have already heard about it, and some of you might be hearing about it for the first time. To help homesteaders in the Pacific Northwest build community, create networking, and reconnect with their spouses. I have an amazing lineup of speakers that include today's guest, Hannah Jo Ruschen from Prairie Mountain Homestead, Ashley Lieberg from Red Ridge Roots, and Deanne and Tim Converse from Converse Star Ranch. They bring us a wealth of knowledge and inspiration on returning to our roots, building homesteads with our spouses, whole food diets, local food systems, raising our kids rurally, and so much more. We will have a farm-to-table meal and live music to end our evening. Please head over to the homesteadharvesters.com to reserve your spot today. It is just under a month, and I hope to see you there. As I'm launching season four of the Homestead Education Podcast, my guests and topics for this season will be returning to our roots too. I will be covering traditional skills, mission work, and diving into our food systems. All topics to help us reflect on what we want out of our lives, our homesteads, and our homeschools. I have already recorded most of my episodes for the next six months so that I can spend my winter reconnecting with my family, building our farm store, creating more content, and mastering my sourdough bread. If you want to reach out, tell me what you're doing on your homestead, how you're going to return to your roots this year, I would love to hear it. Shoot over to hello at homesteadeducation.com and I would love to hear how you are returning to your roots. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. I am so excited today to have Hannah Jo Ruschen on from Prairie Mountain Homestead. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Cody. Thank you so much for having me on. I am really humbled out of all the people you got to choose 
to talk with. You chose to talk with me and I'm so excited to chat. Well, I have really enjoyed like everything that you've had to share since we kind of came across each other on Instagram. And then again at the Modern Homesteading Convention, which was such a wonderful, enlightening experience. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, Do you want to tell everyone a little bit more about you and what you do? Yes, I would love to. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah Jo. I am unapologetically passionate about being a traditional wife to my husband, Joshua, to a my my daughter. I'm I love 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 being a mother and a home educator for her. And I'm a part of the Lord's Army, the Patriot Party. I'm a learner, defender, whole food creator, and self-reliance seeker. And what kind of makes me a little different um, in sharing my homesteading journey with everyone is I used to be a whole food plant-based vegan. And so I kind of share both sides of that and I get to share it and I love it. That's wonderful. I love how you kind of just have that whole spiel of like all these amazing things about you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, we're in like a whole new, I don't even know what to call it. Like it's a revolution, but, um, I was talking to, oh goodness, what is his name? The guy who wrote Tuttle Twins. Oh yes, I know. Yes. I was talking to Connor Boyack recently and I was like, you know, he's very libertarian. And I said, so, you know, what do we consider us homesteaders? Because I feel like we're a whole political party on our own. And I'm trying to figure out what that is. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what that is too. Yes. We are very, very much a unique blend. Um, A lot of us come from different walks in life. Uh, we can have some libertarians, some conservatives, some patriots. And I think that all comes from us being free thinkers and mm-hmm. wanting to take control of our own life and build a foundation for our families and the way that we see fit. And that's what I love about your podcast is because you take homeschooling and homesteading in such a unique view and you blend them together. And I really feel like that's not really showcased with a lot of homesteading homeschoolers. And so I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I think, yeah, that's what that's what we're all trying to strive to do. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm one of those lifelong learners, like, and honestly, like if I have anxiety about something, I'm going to research. That's where, that's where I head. And when we turned the page in our life about eight years ago, I went down this rabbit hole of listening to every podcast, reading every blog. Mm -hmm. I mean, just anything and everything I could find for something that was such a new concept for me, Um, not necessarily the homesteading part, but I came from a commercial ag background. So I definitely had to reroute my brain on that, but I was never going to be a homeschooler. Like that was, it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. And what I found a lot with, um, many of the podcasters, homesteaders, homeschoolers is it was a lot of what's your beautiful morning rhythm. And, you know, what's your beautiful, you know, routine of milking your cow in the morning. And I'm like, oh my God, we are a crud show. Like (laughs) my kids are fighting the dogs over a toy in their underwear. And I (laughs) am like trudging up to the barn in sweatpants and flip-flops. Yeah. There's no, there's no muck boots happening here if there's no snow on the ground. And I'm like, I were real. And I saw this like huge revolution happening of all these wonderful people who wanted to break away from norms and learn new things. Mm -hmm. And in but they don't, they didn't know what to learn. They didn't know what questions to ask. And so that's really the angle I've came at with this podcast. 
I hear you loud and clear when you say that, because part of my story was learning and yearning for a food experience and something else that we could live for out of being in the city. We were, we did, we feel, we felt trapped in the city. And so we didn't even know what homesteading was, but we knew we wanted to homestead. Even as vegans, we knew that that's kind of what we wanted to do. And so I I heard what you just said. And those words resonated with me is no one knows exactly what they're, they're going for. They just know they're going towards that one thing until they mm-hmm. find it. And for us, it was homesteading. That's wonderful. Um, so what kind of like turned that page for you? Um, I know every, everybody kind of always has that catalyst. For us, it was my husband's liver disease that changed our path. What was your guys's? So our um, aha moment was uh, going to the Baker Creek Heirloom Festival in Santa Rosa, California in 2019. It was in Santa Rosa? It was in Santa Rosa, California. Um, I grew up I grew up uh, in Sonoma County. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was I didn't very, even know they did those her. things there. So yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> Well, they don't anymore, unfortunately, (laughs) but (laughs) we were fortunate enough to go to the, the last one basically. And, um, if I should start, should I start from all the way at the beginning or just go from the catalyst moment? Well, what brought you to your catalyst? I mean, so yeah, great question. So my husband is from the Midwest. He came from an ag family. Okay. He's Mm -hmm. He, he technically is like a fourth generation farmer, but we just do farming in a different aspect. Right. Uh-huh, yeah. So his great grand, his great grandfather, um, farmed organically gardened in his backyard was blind and still gardened. Amazing. He literally died of old age. He was 108, I think. And when he died or 106, super, super cool. But then his grand grandpa did big ag commercial farming and Mm -hmm. died at 65 from heart failure. And his dad came out of the ag um, business and he's not looking too good either. And a lot of that is, you know, we can sit, I won't plant here, but it's just an unhealthy way of farming. I'll just put it Mm -hmm. that way. It's just unhealthy way of farming. And that's my point of view. We don't, we don't have to agree, but um, moving out of that aspect, Josh was actually, my husband's name is Joshua. He was told not to farm. He was told go to college, get away from the farm, leave, do something different, make more money. Well, (laughs) somehow he turned around and we married and we're doing this now. But for me, I was raised with all the 4-H animals. I did all the 4-H that my mother said I could do. I got my first horse when I was seven years old. Um, my first real horse that I owned when I was 10 and, um, I love animals. I love it. And my daughter doesn't fall far from the tree. And so when we had a divorce in our family, we went different ways. Same with my husband. And, uh, we, we went to the city and it was just so funny after having a child and realizing that we want more in life, we both collectively after getting pregnant realized we want more for our life. We want more wholesome, togetherness in our, in our family. And we want to live for something more than just my husband going to work, coming home and paying for our rent. So 
here we are. Uh, we're, we're, we were vegans at the time and we went to the heirloom convention in Santa Rosa, California, and we got to meet so many awesome people. I'm talking about Doug and Stacy. Um, we got to meet Jess and Maya from Roots and Refuge. And we got to meet um, Lorraine and Jason from So the Land. We got to meet these really cool people who yeah. we had no idea who they were. And it was so fun. And you know what? After watching um, people shear their sheep and uh, witnessing kind of off to the side of Butcher and then realizing what chicken farming was, we got to sit in on a lecture about how to sustainably grow chicken on your homestead without the Cornish crosses and with our, without pharmaceutical interventions from a seventh generation chicken farmer, my mind was blown and we yeah. were still vegan. We were still whole food plant-based, you know, we, we, we did that, but we wanted animals and we wanted land. And so after that, my husband and I, we really started to put a financial plan together and we started kind of doing a, we call it a Jack, Jam, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Dave Ramsey. We didn't do all of his steps, but we uh -huh. did it where it conformed our lifestyle, but it worked for us. And we were able to save up a lot of money. And unfortunately, um, you know, the big government shutdown happened and we, it hurt us a lot. A lot of people were moving up to Idaho. The economy shifted here. Um, the houses we were, we were forced out of the area that we wanted to look for. And it was really, I was difficult. a realtor during that time here in Idaho. Yeah, it was difficult. It was, it was really difficult. And it was hard for us because we had this dream and we had this hope and we had this mindset of where we wanted to be and what we wanted to do. And even though we, you know, we had that vegan mind point towards it or viewpoint towards it, we still knew that this is what we wanted to do. And it was really hard for us to sit in our apartment with all the food that we canned and all the stuff that we wanted to do. And this would be the perfect storm for us to be homesteading and being self-sufficient and even community dependent. And we didn't have that. And that was really a big moment for us as well, because we started asking God, is this really what you want for us? Is this really what you want us to do? We had such a deep connection with, that in, with, uh, with homesteading in our hearts, but it just wasn't happening for us. Three long years uh, it took us to find the property that we're at now. And it is not what we envisioned. It is not oh. what we wanted. It is the house that you would look at and you would go, that is not a homesteading house. And the land was barren. It was just, it was horrible. And we're bringing it back to life. And I tell you what, it is the most rewarding thing to say, wow, that's what we moved into. And this is what my kitchen looks like now. Or, oh my gosh, do you see the green that is coming up after the chickens have just tilled yep. that area? And oh my gosh, I put the seed in the ground and it grew and it's feeding us and it's amazing. So I'm on a high, even though <laughs> there's oh, so and so much low with this lifestyle there, the highs just outshine everything because it's, it, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. No, I agree. You know, even just the thing with the chickens, like we have to keep our property mowed because of fire. And so we're on 40 acres. Um, and so my husband, he mows it and it's just brown. Just, it's yucky. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, we live in a place that doesn't even get as brown as like down where you guys are. Right. And so this year is our first year we've had the opportunity to do chicken tractors, which they aren't even chicken tractors. It's a hot wire netting that I move around the pasture. For sure. <laughs> but same idea. We're moving them. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this for close to eight years now, but every year has been a new experience and getting mm-hmm. to try new things. We've done the meat birds before. We've just done them in the coop with our other birds, which is nasty. <laughs> and so I started moving that chicken tractor around and they are eating all those weeds down. I mean, I put them in there where I can't even find the birds through. Right. All the yes. Yes. And the wheat, when I move them, the weeds are all gone and it is mm-hmm. fresh green grass growing. And I just love it. I love I getting to each time I move them. Yeah. How amazing has God created all these creatures to work in symbiotic relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a great thing to witness, um, especially with my husband coming from the ag, the big ag, you know, the pesticides, mm-hmm. the modified background. And for me, just doing everything that I did in my childhood. And then we're kind of just blending both of those together and we're realizing, Hey, this is actually working more better for the environment. It's better for us. It's sustainable. There's food right outside our door. No one has to truck it to us, even though we're still dependent on the grocery store. Okay. But we're trying our Um, best. Okay. So I have a huge confession, like it's confession time. Okay. So (laughs) I make a really good potato salad. Like my kids love it. I mean, they ask for it for their birthdays and stuff. And yesterday my marketing team posted my potato salad recipe, you know, perfect summertime a thing to be posting. Right. My husband goes, what should we have for dinner tonight? I said, let's do, you know, barbecued cheeseburgers and potato salad, which, you know, we have our own beef and everything. And he's like, yeah, okay. We were going to town for a 4-H meeting. And he's like, should, let's go pick up the stuff from the store for potato salad. I said, I want to go huckleberry picking. Let's buy a container of potato salad. (laughs) And we bought bought a container of uh, potato salad. We went out huckleberry picking and came home. And my five-year-old is in the backseat going, I'm so excited for store-bought potato salad. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, it's so funny that my kids even say that. There you go, man. You know, and it's so fun because when our kids get to go and have a treat like that, they just love it. And they think it's so fun. Yeah. And we got to go huckleberry picking and we still came home to a pretty decent meal. So I would say that is a win. I would love to go forage for huckleberries. I think that is like, that's so cool. Well, you can go up in the mountains. Like, well, we can go like, you know, a half hour drive. You probably looking at a couple hour drive, huh? Yeah. 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 I used to go um, huckleberry picking outside of like Donley and McCall. Oh, beautiful places. Yes. Yes. We used to go hunting there every every year when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. We were friends with a taxidermist that lived in Donley. There you go. Yeah. See, I I tell people that my dad was probably would have been the original YouTuber because he lived for hunting and he would actually hire someone to follow us with a video camera. That's so cool. So like he's passed away now, but he has, my stepmom has like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of VHS tapes. That's so like cool every hunt my dad on. has ever done. Yeah, that is so cool. Home tapes are so amazing. We take for granted them. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and until we have a passing in the family and then we get to go in and relive all those beautiful cherished moments. So that's, that's pretty cool. 
yeah I, I actually I hope one day to get those from her and start downloading them like maybe start my dad his YouTube channel that he never got <laughs> That would be awesome. I would Wouldn't watch that. Neat, that right? would be so Like, cool. I mean, old school, like back in the 60s, like, yeah, yeah. you know, pig hunting with dogs and stuff, like, and my dad in his, like, shorty shorts and. <laughs> That's cute. Yes, yeah. that would be awesome. <laughs> I think it would be a really fun one. I think there'd be a lot of people who'd get a kick out of that one, but. Absolutely. Um, so how was the transition from veganism? Do you eat meat now? Great question. So I am still weaning meat into my diet. I, that's so sad. That was so silly. We're weaning. Um, yeah. So here's the thing being, uh, and I talk about this a lot because diet restrictions can become, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? They can become idols and they can become some sort of a Oh, just a thing that takes over your life. Okay. Eating mm -hmm. disorders. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it too bad because people will hear that word and then they'll go, Ooh, that's not an eating disorder. Well, it kind of well, is. And you know, okay. I'm probably on the other end, but I have struggled with my weight my whole life. And so it's been, you know, right. just going from that next diet to another constantly focusing on what I'm eating. And for the mm -hmm. first time in my life, I'm still, I'm still struggling with my weight, but I feel really good about what I eat. And that's, yes. it's a whole other mindset. So it is. And mindset is really good to, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. And it's, it's hard for me because I went from, so the reason why I started going vegan is because I had a plethora of health problems postpartum. So, mm -hmm. uh, after I gave birth to my daughter, I gained a lot of weight during that pregnancy and I wasn't shedding it like normal. I was breastfeeding. The weight wasn't coming off. I actually developed cystic acne, um, mm. to the point it's very damaging for my self esteem as well as my face. I still have a couple scars and I guess the, the, what is it? The camel or the stick that broke the camel's back. That's the same uh -huh. yeah. was when I was just eating something and I completely broke a tooth and I'm talking, it literally just snapped in half and fell out into whatever I was eating. I don't remember at the time. Oh my gosh. So that journey right there, I was gaining a lot of weight. The weight wasn't coming off. Um, I was slow. I was actually on some heart medication. Um, I have already dealt with hypoglycemia and chronic anemia from a young age due to being medically injured as a child, which is different story, but that was all just kind of a storm that made me spiral out of control, out of control. And so on one of the mommy groups, um, I, I, I was chatting with some people and they said, Hey, you should just do uh, this diet. And it was lots of fermented liver, lots of fermented cod oil, uh, raw butter, raw milk. And within that time frame, I actually developed so about a six month time frame. I went from one cavity to six massive cavities in my mouth. And oh, that's wow. just not normal. No. Super, super not normal. Okay. And everyone and their mother can speculate and give me their opinion on what actually happened there. And that's okay. Everybody's yeah. entitled to their own opinion, but that wasn't working for me. Okay. I went, I finally found a holistic dentist who was not going to do a root canal, who was going to fix my mouth. I had a lot of drill and fills that just needed to happen because my teeth were literally breaking. And, um, I started juicing for the first time 
Uh, I changed absolutely nothing in my diet. Okay. Nothing in my diet. I was eating everything the same, except for the fact that I was doing one green juice a day. And within that first mm, 30 to 40 days, I lost 35 pounds, literally shedded mm -hmm. them 35 pounds. Um, and that really made me start thinking what the heck is going on with my body right now? I realized that I was feeding my body food on a cellular level that it was not given to me before. Okay. And mm -hmm. we can have this debate of like plant food versus meat food, but I'll just share a little bit with the story it's, here and kind of how we it really comes down to it's just that it's natural food. It's a natural food. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is God given food. And what I was doing is I was taking out all that fiber and I was really just giving the juices to my body that fed my cells. Really? That's what was happening. So after that, I decided to kind of get caught up in the vegan thing, um, do the whole food plant-based. We weren't really vegan at the time, but I was really just starting to make that shift. I took out red meat, then I took out chicken. Um, then I took out, uh, eggs and then I took out fish. And then last but not least was dairy. And I took that out. And so for the, for the seven years that I was vegan, I was whole food plant-based. I was really feeling healthy for the majority of the time. Um, I was not eating gluten. I was not consuming sugar. And those were another thing that was just really big. And I really love, um, Dr. Bush, something he talks about like plant-based versus paleo versus all the things. And I guess the biggest catalyst in the middle is that we're eliminating the processed high mm -hmm. foods that are harder for some people to digest. And again, because I like that you're even saying like plant-based veganism or whole food based veganism, because I see so many vegans that are, you know, I'm eating better and it's processed, which doesn't even, yes. and they're, they're Completely. not, they're not losing weight. They're unhealthy. And that's, it's natural. You need natural. Yes. And so for me, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Bible believer. Christ is my savior. So for me at the <clears> end of the day, when you look at the veganism mindset, uh, you, they elevate animals into an idol and they elevate them as if, you know, it's okay to sacrifice animal or humans in this way, but how dare you touch a cow or how dare you slaughter a piglet or how dare you do this, 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 and this and where, okay. Conventional farming. Yes, I do not. It's grotesque. Okay. I do not support that. We do not they buy need some reforms that. for sure absolutely disgusting habits and practices yet. But for the farmer who goes outside, shoots his pig, hangs it and bleeds it, and then processes it before it's, or after it's dead, the, the animal is dead before they're cutting into it mm -hmm. and making it food for their family, completely different practice than what we see in the conventional meat sources, even the USD organic practices. Okay. So that is my little veganism spiel for you, <laughs> for hey, you and your listeners. My, but. my training was in food pl slaughter plants. So like, okay. So you understand what I'm saying then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. I get a lot of people who contradict my story and say that that is not what happens beyond closed doors. That is not what happens. Uh, I, think the, I think the goal, I, I mean, I've definitely been in plants and it happens in that order. The speed in which it needs to happen. Yeah. So. Yes. I think supply and demand is really 
the key factor. And if anybody wants to dive more into this information, a great documentary would be um, Kill Pen. It is Kill not Pen. a vegan okay. documentary. It is not. They are all ranchers um, and they just talk about the reality and the brutality between mm-hmm. both in within the USDA. Well, and honestly, yeah, it's, I would, I have never met a rancher that was treated their animals poorly. Absolutely not. Yeah. And there's a really amazing um, story that goes out and it talks about, um, oh man, I, I'll butcher it, but they talk about why is that person treating that sheep that way. And then someone turns to her and goes, Oh no, that's not the, that's not the shepherd. That's the butcher. And I think that's really telling for us as homesteaders, because we're, we're, we're shepherds. We shepherd Mm -hmm. our land and we shepherd our, our animals, whatever animal you have, you don't have to have sheep to be a shepherd. Um, but you, you're taking part and responsibly caring for that animal, whether that animal is being killed and put on your plate. Okay. That's what it is. Or mm-hmm. if they're, if you're using them for, okay, we don't eat our rabbits, but our rabbits feed our, our grass and they feed our garden. Um, mm-hmm. my ducks, mm-hmm. my ducks nourish my, my orchard, my new orchard that we just put in this, this year. So there, we use all of the animals on the farm has, have a use here. And, um, I think that's, that's just the difference between, but mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, so the permaculture, um, design is designed for that. Absolutely. hundred percent. Absolutely. So jumping back into, um, where I was, uh, in veganism, I guess, basically. Sorry. No, no, no. We just tangent. I, we're <laughs> cool. We're good. I love to just chat about this. We <laughs> could be here forever. So I had a bit of a mix up with my, uh, gastrointestinal issues about halfway into my plant-based uh, journey. And I was hospitalized. I had, um, just some severe pain. And because I'm a woman, when you go to the ER, they go, Oh, is she having an ectopic pregnancy? Is this an ovarian cyst? Is she having a miscarriage? And that's really what they focused on. They didn't really go into, you know, my GI tract or anything like that. So I got a little backed up. I know that's really probably too much information for some people, but we're talking about this and this is what it is. We're talking about health and health isn't always sexy. So, you know, it it is not sexy. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I got a little backed up. I started getting really bad GI issues. And, um, so I went on, everything was good. I kind of fixed that little problem. We kept going and it was until my daughter and my husband were exposed to alpha variant that my daughter and I started to contract really weird food symptoms. And What's so alpha variant? the big C I was choosing my words wisely. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, so after that, um, and that was, uh, six years of me being plant-based, um, was about that time frame, and this is also the time frame that we were looking for a homestead, and we were so happy to, you know, plant our own food and grow our own food. But my daughter and I started becoming allergic to chickpeas, and that's horrible. We love hummus and we love chickpeas. Yeah. Then I started to not be able to keep down my green juices um, for some reason. It would go either right through me or I would upchuck it. It was awful, and that was very, very not normal because juice, I believe changed my life and juice. Mm -hmm. I still, to this day, juice, I'm able to, I was able to bring it back in, but 
anyway, so after some of those really funky uh, food allergies developed, um, I, and I think that GI issue kind of fell into this with being contracted to that bug. And I think it was just a storm of a lot of things. You know, we had some stress going on because we were wanting to move. Um, you know, our, our budget was lower. We started to see um, inflation take place and in, in the food that we were purchasing. There wasn't as much organic food provided for us. So we were kind of shifting our diets a little bit. And again, everybody has their own opinion on as to why you know, if a vegan is listening to this, they'll probably come up with five reasons what I did wrong and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, so we actually started to shape our diet just a little bit. And I was forced kind of to introduce eggs and back into my diet. And for the first time I was able to eat something that didn't give me pain. And so I think what God did is he kind of took the idolship of this plant-based lifestyle that I, I did, I, I worshiped it because I felt clean. I felt healthy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share that with everybody. And, um, he kind of broke that down and said, Hey, listen, you're just like everyone else. And you are not so cool just because you eat a certain way and you're actually not as healthy as you think you are. And so it took a lot of mental, um, changing. And when you asked, how was the transition it was hard for me. It was really difficult. I came from a place of stating I was never going to eat meat again. My body was thriving off of plants. I could do however I wanted. I was great. I would even do mono meals and fasting. And it was great. It was a great experience, but it wasn't working long-term for me. It just wasn't. And that is what it is. And so for now, me transitioning over, I specifically have not purchased any beef. We just now found someone who will butcher properly to my standards, who doesn't (laughs) feed a certain way, who doesn't um, inject certain things. And so that's the cow that we want to buy. Right. And so that's what we're doing. And I, I, I ate my first steak, um, a couple weeks ago, and it was really, it was really difficult for me. Yes. Mm. It was delicious. It tasted amazing. I ate it with horseradish and a beautiful, huge salad, Mm. but it was really difficult. The mind shift. And that's why I kind of said earlier, um, the, the word that I'm looking for where you, you just develop an eating disorder. You just develop that. And, and it might have come on nonchalantly. It might have just developed over time, but that's what I was dealing with is I was dealing with breaking that eating disorder and figuring out I can eat other foods, um, was really difficult for me. So eggs is great. We eat fish. We like to go fishing. Um, but we still purchase fish, um, from a clean ocean Pacific is always best to do if you can, but, um, that's what we do. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, it's a little hard to get, you know, the fresh inland, but I mean, we're not that far inland, so that's true. We aren't either, but I mean, when I grew up on the coast and then living here, my husband's like, Hey, the guy has crab downtown. Do you want to go get fresh crab? I'm like, that's not fresh. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, not fresh. No. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I don't know what that is, but we're not eating it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that's something I would say. Yeah. I still have a, 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 a snooty nose when it comes to food. I still have some serious standards when it comes to clean eating. And that's also because I I'm limited. I still can't do a lot of dairy products. I still can't do, um, 
uh, gluten. I can only do long fermented kamut uh, or einkorn wheat. I can only do sheep and goat milk. So that's something that I've learned. And that's, those are also the next animals to be brought onto the homestead. Have we're, you tried A2E2 cow, cow milk yet? No, ma'am. Okay. Not it, not even close. Yeah. It's just does not agree with me in every way. Yeah. I just, so many people have said they can do the A2A2. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have, there's a, there's a farmer down um, the way from us and she has that and I tried it and I just, it, it just, it's not good for me. It's just not, mm-hmm. we're, just, yeah. we're not a compatible source, but that's okay. Cause we're on a small acreage in the prairie of Idaho. Um, and so we can't really have a cow. So to yeah. be honest with you, it's a blessing. It works. We can yeah. Have- yeah, we can have sheep and goats and that's what we're moving towards. But yeah, Which, so I'm still like my husband can't do sheep and goat anything after his time in Iraq. Okay. Oh, probably. Yes. Like, yeah, he is like, I've seen the way they do it there. I've, I, I understand. He's like, you even go get a pizza and they have goat cheese on it and it's just, nope. Mm-mm. And, um, we, <laughs> we actually went to, um, a farm farm to table dinner at Josh and Carolyn Thomas's last or two weeks, three weeks ago now. Oh my goodness. What, what month are we in? I know. And one of our really good friends was the, um, caterer and she served lamb and my husband's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm like, just, just try it. You know? And she's like, come on, Ron, try it. You know, she's like, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to stand here and make you take a bite. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) and uh, I mean, it was all in good fun and everything. And he took a bite and he was like, Oh my gosh. He's like, this oh, was, God. this is amazing. He's like, I wouldn't have known the difference between this and like a good tri-tip or something. There you go. And he's wow, like, what a win. yeah, he's like, that's it. We're going to do a lamb every year. If Julie will teach me how to make this. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you're on, like, I will teach you. So he's officially converted. That's awesome. <laughs> he is. So I'm, he's like, so are we going to raise sheep? I'm like, no, we're buying a lamb. I'm not the biggest fan of sheep. So we'll, you know, we'll buy it. We'll keep it for a few months. And then yeah. after we've like, you know, gotten its head out of the fence 27,000 times, you'll be more than happy to put <laughs> it. So <laughs> yes. Oh man. Yeah. Something I get to look forward to, but it'll, it'll be good. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, it's something we've, we raise, uh, we have nine or 10 sows at any point. Like we are big pig producers. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my husband didn't grow up farming like I did. And at first he had a hard time. Like those were his girls, you know? And mm-hmm. I said, you know, that, no, we, we name our friends. We don't name our food. And, you know, we've gone through all those. And, yeah. um, there's been a couple of times where we've had to decide that, you know, we kind of jokingly like rude sows go to food, freezer camp. But when I say rude sows, I'm talking like they're aggressive towards our kids. They're aggressive towards sure. feeder pigs. Sure. They killed their own litters, that type of thing. And um, yeah. It, Not breeding genetics you want to yeah. pass on. Mm-mm. So we've butchered them and he had a hard time the first couple of times. And then he's now he's come around to realize like this is just all part of our system. I think that's the beautiful thing to have a husband that is compassionate towards the butcher process of the animals that we have on the farm. And I think that a lot of vegans just think that we love coming out here and just slaughtering our own animals. And I don't even think we as homesteaders use the word slaughter because we're not slaughtering our animals. We're butchering them. No, pretty much the only time I use that word is when I, the butcher comes to the house and I have to calculate in his slaughter fee versus his butcher fee. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing when when our our men 
on the homestead because they they are an important vital role for us and when they show compassion towards the animal that we're going to be eating it's I, I, I don't think there's, there's more things that could be romantic, but it's a very romantic thing. And it's a very blessed thing that I, that I have. It is. Well, and I feel like our men are taking a whole new role in this homestead movement. And I don't even know how to explain it because I am very, I am proud of my masculine man. I love who he is for that. I I want him to be the strong head of our household. And, but at the same time, coming into this homesteading world, historically, biblically, the women handled the homesteads. Mm -hmm. That was why it was part of the home. And so even though, yeah, he's out there building the fences and stuff, I do a lot of work with the animals. I'm the one managing our farm and those types of things. And I think that there is a different mindset for that, especially with Husbands like mine, who he's a disabled vet, he doesn't have another job outside the home. Sure. But when I'm managing the whole home, we have to work on those roles sometimes where he is, you know, I want you to be the head of our household. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to manage it. (laughs) I know. I know. And that's where those, those, those controversial topics of a masculine man and submitting to your husband and also doing women's work is just so funny to me because yeah, biblically, that's my role. That's my job. That's what God provided for me to do. And that's what I do well. But mm-hmm. as a homesteading woman, I mean, what else is more empowering? I can go out and do all the things that my husband can do. Mm-hmm. I just choose for him to do that because I know my place is better suited in the home. Mm-hmm. But when he leaves, when he travels for work, I'm doing everything. I'm doing everything. And I feel good at the end of the day because well, I'm able do those things. And our relationship, oh, go ahead. Our relationship, the way I was raised, where I was raised ranching, I was raised on the farm. I was raised hunting. Now that he's doing it, he even, he'll be out working on the farm and he'll come in and be like, hon, I need your help. Like, I don't know how to do this, or I need a second body. And I love that. And it's not that he thinks his, you know, he's not out doing it by himself because he thinks his wife can't. He knows that I'm better suited to be running our businesses. You know, we have three businesses. Like that's what pays our bills, you know, mm-hmm. and to be homeschooling the kids, which he helps homeschool the kids too. And we're a partnership, but we have our roles within the home that we ask each other to share. Like he cooks dinner just as much as I'm out there working with the animals. So I completely agree. And I love what you just said, because yeah, my husband does home education as well. He does the cool, fun things. I'm more of the indoor organized mom and he does the fun stuff. And I also just love the fact that when my husband can call on me, I'm his partner. I am the other half. He chooses me to do those things with, and just the symbiotic relationship between husband and wife in a role that we love and in our places that we love. I just love to talk that way because it invites a conversation in which, you know, putting on an apron is so controversial these days because we're oppressed because we wear an apron. And I just love that I wear my apron because I choose to. And that's awesome. So yeah, totally love it. Do, do you know what's hanging next to my apron in the kitchen? What? Your my gun. apron. Oh, <laughs> Because he butchers all the meat in our kitchen and he has his own white butcher's apron that hangs next to my frilly flowery one. Yeah, I need to get my husband an apron. 
I do. I need to do that. That is such a cute thing. Oh my gosh. I had, you know, I never even thought of that until now. So now I have to go buy my husband an apron. <laughs> and it probably would be a gun except for branch because <laughs> we used to okay. be the family. Like there was a gun, you know, in the corner by the front door and stuff. We live in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like there's times that we do just open the door and like shoot out the door to like run off coyotes and stuff or you know, my son got his first deer standing on our front porch one year. There you go. But we can't do that because we have a three-year-old that does not comprehend anything. So totally understand. Yes, totally understand. We have to, we have the same thing where we're at. We have an issue with coyotes and badgers, Mm -hmm. badgers. They are no business. And I'm so thankful. They they are nasty. They are so nasty. Um, yeah super nasty, but I I'm so grateful. We haven't had a run in with them, but we've seen them as like roadkill down the road from us mm-hmm. and same with the coyotes. And we're like, Whoa, those were in the next yard. And so grateful. They didn't come over here. <laughs> right? We've heard our dogs barking and we open the front door and there's a pack of coyotes in our driveway. Oh yeah. No, thank you. No, ma'am. Yeah. And I'm so like grateful our neighbors have-, have had grizzly issues. And so, yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful where we're at. We have our neighbors close enough to where they text each, we, ch- we text each other and we're like coyote spotted on the East side of my property. Watch out. Cause, and then it, I just think I love it. I just love it. So it's good. Well, that know, we, like, have- we have a lot of big ranches here and okay, it kind yeah. of changed our outlook on coyotes to some extent that they like some of the coyotes around because they deal with the scraps. If they have a cow, if they have a cow that dies, they just can go put it on the bone pile and the coyotes deal with it. And they're not having to deal with as much other pests and things like that. So they're like, if you see a coyote in our field, leave it be. Now, personally, the way, the way we are, because we have a smaller, like all of our animals are right at the house. Mm -hmm. If we see a coyote, we will shoot it. So it's a different concept on both ends. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that point of view because I don't want to take the life of the coyote, but our animals are pretty close to our home too. Cause mm-hmm. we're just, I, we've barely hit the first half acre of our property. Okay. We're, there's, there's yeah. so much work that needs to be done. So our animals are all really close. And if I were to see that it wouldn't necessarily be the animals, it would be my daughter and my dog, but I, I hold them higher than the animals. I know that's really sad, but so sorry that yeah. My kid is number one. And if you come between me and the kid, you're, you're dead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. But yeah. Yeah. And my little, my little terrier, I have a Jack Russell terrier and Chihuahua mix and, and she's my buddy. So don't right. even think about it. <laughs> See, I just have 220 pound dogs and my kids can wander all over the property with their dogs and I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we haven't had an issue yet because we do have a, a Belgian Malinois. He's a, he's a Dutchie shepherd and we have him go out and he just has imprinted on my daughter. And so that's, that's a good thing, but I always get so scared with the little dogs, you know, they're like yeah. the, we have bald eagles and owls everywhere. And so I'm always on the lookout to keep my little, my little puppy safe. <laughs> you know, um, we just got two barn kittens. Oh, cute. Okay. Yeah. And I wasn't sure like exactly how, you know, we have a cat, like a house cat, half barn cat, kind of whatever he feels like doing, Same. And, but we got these two kittens specifically for the barn. Right. And they go all over the property. They follow us. They're the cutest little things, but I wasn't sure how some of my other dogs would deal with them because we only have the one big house cat. And 
I went out and one of the cats was annoying me and I had it in my hand and I kind of reached down to my um, great Pyrenees. I was like, here, eat it. You know, like I really didn't want him to eat it, you know? Um, and he like sniffs the kitten and one of my other dogs ran over to sniff it. And he went like ballistic on that other dog. He did not want that dog near his kitten. So now I go outside and they're sleeping on him. So I'm like, okay, I'm not too worried. (laughs) That's so cute. I love that. So now they'll, they'll protect the kitties too. Yeah. That made me feel good, which, you know, my joke, the kitten was just annoying me. So I was like, eat the kitten. Right. I totally get it. Yeah. Cats are there. I'm definitely a dog person. I'm not really a cat person, but my cat right now, she keeps all the mice out of our house. Mm. And so she, she is valued here. So like, I'm kind of enjoying it. Like I was out weeding my garden the other day and I had my tomato plants and I was staking them and cleaning up underneath them and stuff. And those kittens were like playing in the forest of my garden, you know, and like bouncing out and I'd throw weeds and they're chasing the weed. And I was like, that was actually kind of fun. Like I enjoyed that. Yeah. (laughs) And they actually, one of them was at my feet in the berry patch the other day and it was kind of flipping out. And I'm like, what is your problem? And I felt like a sharp something. And I thought the kitten had like caught my ankle. So I went to swat it and realized it was, I was being stung by yellow jackets. There was, I had stepped in a yellow jacket nest and I'm allergic. So I jump out and I'm got out of there and I was able to get some meds and not have too much of an issue. But I was like, man, if that little kitten hadn't have been there, I probably wouldn't, I would have just thought it was a thorn poking me like in the berry patch and not realized I was getting stung by multiple yellow jackets. So they're so frustrating. I, I feel bad, but I do kill them when I see them because they are just, they're atrocious. Yellow jackets are just jerks. They're, I just don't care for them. Yeah. <laughs> nope. So man, this has been a wonderful conversation. And I really felt like I connected with you on that postpartum thing. Cause I went through the same thing with my three-year-old, my body actually completely attacked itself. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Okay. my GI system shut down. I was everything was going right through me. I was so weak. I couldn't even walk up my front stairs, my, and then I was still gaining weight. Like just like after I had my baby, like I gained some weight, lost it and having him. And I gained a hundred pounds after that, which yes. I'm a big girl. So hundred pounds doesn't quite, it, it distributes, but it was really hard. It's like, hard. It's hard. And I was, like I said, I wasn't even digesting anything. We eat a pretty whole food diet because of my husband. Yeah. And I just, I, I was at a loss and I have, I worked with my doctors and stuff. I'm on a good path now. Some of it's pharmaceutical. Some of it is adjusting my gut health and it's working for me, but that was a really hard couple of years where I even, I resonated. I was eating Mac and cheese and broke a tooth. And I was like, You're no, kidding. this is the not same right. thing happened to you. Mm-hmm. It chipped the inside of my front tooth. Oh, good night. Okay. Eating macaroni and cheese. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I wish I remembered what, what did it for me, but I just, it was, it's a blow. It's a super large blow Mm -hmm. when you, when it comes to your teeth, because your teeth are important. Well, I also, I had broke a toe when I was younger and just walking, I chipped off the edge of where that was broke. And so then I had like a floater bone in my toe at the same time. And I was like, this is not normal. You don't just chip off your bones. Yeah. Yeah. Not normal. Yeah. So I went through this whole same thing and I just, you know, like I said, some of what I'm changing is pharmaceutical. Some of it is through my 
health because I, there was, I could not get it under control even through, um, my diet, but I'm really hoping that getting myself back under control, I can get off the pharmaceuticals to just focus on the health. But I, there was, there was no stopping. My weight was continuing to go up. Even my doctors were like, we don't know what to do. Yeah. I, well, if there's any hope for you, I, hopefully you take what I, what I, what I gained and I was able to get off my pharmaceuticals. So Mm -hmm. please take that as some hope because there, there is, there's going to get to a point where you're going to be able to wean yourself off of those. And I was Mm -hmm. able to same for me. Yeah. Being on heart medication and, um, breastfeeding is probably the biggest regret that I have. It was just the thing that I needed to do at the time. And it's hard. It's hard. Mom guilt. is hard. Yeah. I had to stop breastfeeding because I had to go on uh, steroids to stop my body from attacking itself. I was having a full like inflammatory, uh, histamine type reaction and steroids was the only thing that was going to stop that. And so I had to quit breastfeeding, but I look back on it now and my baby was a NICU baby. I was pump. He never figured out how to latch. So I was pumping for him and I pumped for him for five months. Mm-hmm. And when I had to switch to steroids and put him on formula, that was the first time I got to just sit and hold and feed my baby. And at that moment, I knew I made the right choice. Yeah. So very, very hard decisions to make. But at the end of the day, I think some of them just need to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ah, these moments, anyways, I know. <laughs> this is the point of our talk where I like to ask, what does keep growing mean to you? Oh, we're all done. It's so sad. I love I talking know. with you. I know. <laughs> okay. I should know this. And I didn't even prepare for this. Um, keep I love growing. that nobody does prepare because then I get I the honest answers. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, when I see growing, I just think of, I just think of plants. That's just what I go to because I love being in the garden, but I think I want to grow in a way that is seasonal like our plants are but I want to have like steady persistence I want to grow like a weed where everywhere I'm blown I'm growing somewhere and I feel like that's going with the seasons of our life um I want to be the best mother I can be I want to be the best homemaker and the best wife that I can be and I love sharing that with people. And I think that's what keep growing to me would, would mean, I guess, is to just constantly, wherever you're being planted, to just put down roots, even if you're going to be plucked out of that friendship, even though you're going to be plucked out of that relationship or anything like that, but just putting down roots and making yourself vulnerable, taking chances and, and going. Cause I mean, we only have one beautiful life here and that's it. And we might as well just make the most of it, even if we're secluded on our homesteads or if we're wanting to homestead or whatever. Yeah. Keep growing. Keep being planted. Grow wherever you're planted. That's a cute saying that's out there. I like it. I should have come up with something a little bit more scripted. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. That's the best part. So do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? 
Yeah. So I share my pictured life on Instagram at Prairie Mountain Homestead. And I've just started my YouTube back again. Um, it was very much into the whole vegan plant-based food creations, but I've started doing um, garden tours. So you guys can see what I'm growing on YouTube at Prairie Mountain Homestead. I love it. Thank you so much. Everybody go check her out. She has beautiful stories and I love hearing what she's doing next. Thank you so much, Cody. Thank you. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore Education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.